0: 160th edition of the illegal motion college football podcast in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm the professor Matt Perkins and an out and up across the Harpeth river from me here in the music city. It's our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton.
1: Well, I hope I don't drop it, but, uh, I I do want to brag a little bit. Uh, number one in the state of Tennessee in all passing yards is none other than my quarterback, Hale Page. Um, he is trailed by Nick simpton uh at BGA, uh, Cade Larkins at David Crockett, which is in East Tennessee, uh, Stone Norton, which is down the road at Davidson Academy, and Daniel Kitts from Knoxville. Um, on,
0: there's a kid named Stone?
1: Yeah, Stone Norton.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um, there, there's there's a kid. Uh, he plays quarterback out in, like, Hardin County, wherever the heck that is. Um, his name is Rivers Hunt.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. That is really that's good. a good one. Well, uh, we can't get started with our show without the third amigo in the second city, a man who is no stranger to Operetta. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and counting, Josh Cook.
2: I think these intros are getting weirder and weirder by the...
0: Yeah, I was... Oh. Uh, earlier today, I was just... Uh, I, I was recounting the time where, Josh, you, uh, me, Dan, and Cam sang uh, all the parts to "Lady Miz together in the car coming back from Tapas in Santa Monica. <laughs> um, I mean, and you guys made me sing all the female parts. So,
2: I mean, you've got the most angelic voice, so you had to. So,
0: anyhow, um, a bit later on tonight, we'll get to our spread formations and the bigger games from the weekend. But first, uh, we're going to hit some quick slants. So, uh, Josh, you up first.
2: Yeah, I'm going to do a quick little uh, ACC preview. There's uh, one game of super importance. It's a gut-check game um, that is not featured in a later segment because there is actually a very intriguing game up in the Carrier Dome. But the game I'm talking about is Pittsburgh hosting Georgia Tech. Uh, Panthers coming off just getting shelled by Penn State. Georgia Tech, late lead, choked down in Tampa. They're two and one teams. They have some potential, but they're also greatly flawed as of now. Both really, really need a win to get back on track. The other aspect of the ACC preview, uh, Hurricane Florence is coming. Uh, hope everyone is safe. Um, but we are a football show, and this is a storm that, impacts football, so I just wanted to touch on the three ACC games that have been canceled as of now. A few others got either moved uh, location or uh, changed the date that are in the area, but three ACC games have been canceled. Um, The One of the least importance is Virginia Tech and East Carolina. Uh, ECU gets another week to enjoy beating North Carolina. I'm not sure what their team would have learned about themselves going into Blacksburg and getting blown out. Virginia Tech gets a week to stay healthy. They look like they're on a collision course for the ACC title game against Clemson. So they get to avoid any meaningful injuries against a meaningless opponent. Game of the, sec- of kind of the middle importance is North Carolina, Central Florida. North Carolina might actually be glad, uh, especially if you're Larry Fedora, because this is a blowout waiting to happen that now he doesn't have to worry about central florida on the other hand has to be pretty disappointed this is their only power 5 opponent uh scheduled this year and then west virginia and nc state that's the most important of the three um west virginia feels like they're a contender in the uh big 12 getting a road trip to raleigh that would have been a great kind of uh test case to see how they'll be able to handle some of those tough road trips in conference. For NC State, this is a program that had uh, kind of a mini breakthrough season a year ago, finishing just short of making the ACC title game. I'm sure they would have loved to have gotten to host a top 15 club as they uh, continue to grow that program. But uh, hope everyone's safe down in the ACC country, North Carolina, South Carolina, all that. Um, But for the importance of our show, That's what's going on in the ACC.
0: All right, Coach, up to you next.
1: Well, I I wanted to kind of stay on the same, same, I guess, breadth of topic here. Uh, Virginia is one of the games, uh, the Virginia Cavaliers versus Ohio Bobcats was one of the games that was affected by Hurricane Florence. And instead of canceling, uh, they called up Vanderbilt and said, hey, uh, since you're not going to be using your stadium, do you think we could use your stadium and – so, Vandy obliged, and so Ohio is taking on the Virginia Cavaliers in a, quote, home game. So, a uh, little tail of the tape on this game, um, on the what now is a neutral site, uh, Ohio actually comes in red hot. They They're scoring 38 points per game. They're allowing 32 points per game, so you know, defense needs to, uh, sure some things up for sure. Because if you look up total yards, let up, uh, they're letting, uh, 645 total yards per game, uh, and only racking up 423. So, um, be interesting contest. Uh, Virginia has been, you know, they've been in a complete rebuild under, uh, under, uh, Bronco Mendenhall. I almost had a brain fart there. Um, <laughs> So, but, but they've, they've looked increasingly better each and every time they go out. They're scoring 29 points a game. They're only, their defense is a lot more stout, giving up 16.5 uh, points per game. Uh, they're giving up a decent amount of yards, 306. But, um, I mean, that's pretty good when, when you consider uh, where they've been and what they've been doing. So, um, they lost to Heartbreaker last week, so they're going to look to bounce back here. And I, I think they do. Um, so, it should be, if you're in the Nashville area and you want to go see some football, I, I want to say they're opening. They're just going to open the gates and let whoever wants to come come. But uh, don't don't completely quote me on that. But I don't think it should be overly expensive if it's if it costs anything at all.
2: Coach, I would make the joke that this is going to be the best game in Vanderbilt Stadium all year. But based on the doors start, I won't make that joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, you know, we'll be talking a little bit about Vandy a little bit later once it comes time for some spread formations, but let's get into my first slant now. And uh, it's that time of year again, guys, uh, the Ivy league, the last of all of the FBS and FCS leagues to get play started is uh, starting this weekend. So, um, you know, I'm always interested in the Ivy. So I just wanted to give a really quick Ivy league season preview uh, going from who I think will finish best to worst. Um, we'll start with Yale. They're, they open the season as the reigning champs of the Ancient Eight, and they're the favorite going into the season. They've got both the best quarterback and running back in the league in Kurt Rawlings and Zane Dudek. Uh, after the Bulldogs, Princeton, Penn, Dartmouth, Harvard, and Columbia all have the potential to be the number two team in the league, um, or any of those five teams could finish under 500. Columbia and Dartmouth tied for second last year, but this year, I'm actually going to give the nod to Princeton as the best, best best, bet to push Yale at the top of the league. Uh, they got one of the best uh, wide receivers in all of FCS in Jesper Horstead. Last year, he led the Ivies in catches, yards, and touchdowns and he returns as a preseason FCS All-American. Buddy Tevens is going to need to break in a new quarterback in Hanover after Jack Hennigan graduated. It's a three-man race there to fill his shoes. My money is on Jared Garbino, who looks like Gronk out there. He is just uh, an absolute mountain of a man. He was a big Green Wildcat quarterback last season, and – The team seemed to find a lot of success with him rumbling, bumbling, stumbling down the field. I think that he's going to get the first shot, Uh, but they got a couple other guys there as well, including Florida transfer Jake Allen. Uh, Harvard last year, they were – uh, had a terrible season for them finishing below 500 for the first time since 2000, but they've got potentially the best NFL prospects in all the league and offensive lineman, Larry Allen, the third he is. If you remember Larry Allen, the, the great guard for the Cowboys in the 1990s, he's the son of that Larry Allen. So obviously he's got the bloodlines there. Cornell and Brown are miles and miles behind the, at the back of the pack and should be easy fodder for the rest of the league. So, Uh, Just quickly running best to worst, we've got Yale followed by Princeton, then Dartmouth, Columbia, Harvard, Penn, uh, Cornell, and Brown at the bottom. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, Uh, Brown at the bottom. (laughs) So, Josh, off to you for your second slam.
2: All right. Well, I got two games that are really intriguing to me, and I was stunned when you sent the pre-show notes, Matt, that they didn't appear in Deep Roots. Or spread formation, so I'm kind of glad I get to just talk about them solo. Uh, the first one is Purdue, a very dismal 0-2 start. You talked about that on our last show, Matt. You predicted them to be second in the West. Uh, they host a undefeated 2-0 and Missouri team. So Tigers with a nice hot start, but going on the road to a team desperate for a win. Sometimes that club backed in the corner is one of the more dangerous teams you face all year. So that'll be very, very exciting to see Purdue's defense, uh, very, very young defense, try and go against that explosive Tiger offense. And then the other one, the boys from Ames, they host Oklahoma, and obviously this was a massive upset a season ago when down in Norman, Kyle Kemp came out of nowhere. His first career start racked up 343 Passing yards, three touchdowns. Uh, He's been listed as day-to-day. He practiced earlier today. It looks like he might be able to go, so that's a great sign for Iowa State that I know they looked really, really rusty a week ago, but they had their first game canceled. Um, And even though their offense is putrid, I thought the Iowa State defense played pretty well, and they will need to. Um, but I am curious for cut for uh, Kyler Murray. You know he really hasn't faced that rate of talent in terms of Florida Atlantic and UCLA defense yet. So he's putting up all those highlights. But Iowa State was one of the better defensive teams in the league last year. A really good defense nationally. Uh, they really do a good job of disguising their looks. They discovered last year that they don't have enough depth to go four down linemen and then just roll that way, they decided, you know what, let's take a lineman out, let's stand our three guys up, really disguise where we're coming from. I think that might be able to trip up Kyler Murray, and I know he's awesome this year, but when you look at his stats from a few years ago at Texas A&M, he was pretty erratic, a little bit interception prone. Maybe the Cyclones at home, their home opener, maybe they get magic, twice. We'll see.
0: All right. Uh, coach, what's uh UGA got on tap this weekend?
1: Well, uh, real quickly, uh, UGA has got the, uh, the second game in their battle for, uh, state supremacy in not only Georgia, but Tennessee, uh, they take on, uh, my blue Raiders. So, um, two schools that I've received a piece of paper from, uh, telling me that I've uh, satisfied requirements for uh, a certain degree are playing against each other. So uh, it'll be a good test for Brent Stock still, but uh, I mean, you know, honestly, you just look forward to seeing what the defense can do to build uh, to further build themselves into uh, what quote a more savage defense than they had last year. Um, you know, you, you want to see the development of, of this Georgia offense. Uh, I, I, I look to see, a lot of Justin Fields in this one to kind of get him some some good solid work um you know the the backfield tandem of DeAndre Swift and DeVander Holyfield is proving to be deadly and and also uh Brian Harrigan's getting in getting involved as well Meekall is turning into a superstar i mean there's just this Georgia team is 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 loaded for bear and they're just going to kind of showcase uh, some things on Saturday, and that's kind of what this game is going to go to. But um, I, I not want—I just wanted to mention uh, my dogs because I have to, you know, I have to keep my streak alive of mentioning Georgia in every single podcast that we do. Um, I, I would be remiss if I went in a single podcast without a mention of my dogs. Uh, if you don't like it, I apologize, uh, but you know, such is life. But uh, you know, I, I wanted to kind of focus on Herm Edwards in my first or in my second slant. Uh, because I think as much as we've, we've banged on him, um, he's actually gotten off to an incredible start, uh, with the Sun Devils. Um, and they have a tough, they have a tough contest coming in, uh, to San Diego to play, uh, the San Diego state Aztecs. Uh, the Sun Devils are actually ranked, uh, the twenty number 23, Arizona state Sun Devils, uh, waltz right on in, uh, to take on the Aztecs. So uh, this was originally billed as a quarterback battle between Manny Wilkins and San Diego State quarterback Christian Chapman. Chapman, who actually set a school record by winning his 24th victory as a starter for the Aztec. He's actually going to miss three to six weeks now uh, with a sprain in his left MCL. So uh, that's, that's a huge blow for San Diego State. So in steps Ryan Agnew. So, what makes this game interesting well, uh, San Diego State we know uh, we know their tradition in running the football. well, the Sun devils are uh, not only ranked for the first time since two thousand and fourteen um, they have actually um, they're actually really good really stingy against the run so um, some of the stats that that, that I want to take a look they uh, they lead they lead all of FBS by holding opponents. To just 32 and a half rushing yards per game and an average of 1.07 yards per attempt. Um, and so they, uh, they have lost yardage on sacks and, and, um, they have 11 of those are included in the rushing totals as well. So just to kind of clear that up for, uh, some people that didn't know. So, um, Arizona State has given up a total of 298 and a half per game after allowing an average of 40, 449 and a half a year ago, so uh, significant improvement on the defensive side of the ball, and the offense is coming around as well. So this looks to be a very stingy contest for, uh, you know, for the for the Aztecs, and, and Arizona State has done a lot of tremendous thing on deep things on defense, and I think it just comes really down to just really doing all the fundamental things right, and and that's kind of what they focused on all spring, all of training camp. Tackling better, running to the ball better, playing better uh, technique in the secondary, uh, pass rush, all of that stuff uh, are, are, are the fundamentals they really just needed to refocus on. Not that, not that they never worked on fundamentals before, but it's just something that, you know, maybe a different way of doing it, doing the same thing is a good thing. So uh, this would be an interesting contest to keep an eye on. Uh, it is a 9.30 central time kick, so... It is Pac-12 After Dark.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll get into a little more Pac-12 After Dark later. Um, First, let me uh, quickly run through two uh, games in the MAC. We'll start in DeKalb, Illinois, where Central Michigan is taking on Northern Illinois. Both these teams off to 0-2 starts, but have only played power conference opponents so far. Uh, Northern is definitely the favorite here, but it should be a pretty sloppy game, in fact. Uh, The Chips have already coughed up the ball six times this season, and the Huskies have scored a grand total of 13 points. So uh, not sure how this one is going to end up. I'm expecting uh, Northern Illinois to look much more confident on offense after going up uh, two of the best defenses in the country in Utah and Iowa in their first two games. Elsewhere, Eastern Michigan is taking on Buffalo in a battle of unbeaten. Eastern shocked Purdue last week, and Buffalo went into Philly and beat Temple to start out 2-0 and for the first time in 35 seasons. Tyree Jackson and Anthony Johnson anchor one of the league's best passing attack for the bulls Uh, and Eastern uh, last week held the boilers to only 135 yards through the air. So expect a good battle uh, on that side of the ball. I think though, that the home team will come away the winner in this one, but quite frankly, at this point, the bulls might be the best football team in the city, college or pro Uh, (laughs) after start to, uh, the season of my dearly beloved Buffalo Bills. You have to pour one out for them. Anyway, before we hit some deep roots, oh, Allen, baby. Yeah, well, the era begins. Great, just what I needed. <laughs> well, um, you
1: might as well, right?
0: I mean, it can't get worse. No, it it, it really can't get worse. Uh, deep roots here in a second, guys. But uh, first, that before that, though, uh, take out your number two pencils. Time for a pop quiz.
1: Can I write in Sharpie?
0: No, I said number two pencil
1: only. Well, I'm going to have to go to the library. I need to borrow.
0: Well, if you're not prepared, you might just have to take a zero on the quiz. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> uh, today's quiz, gentlemen, um, there are three senior quarterbacks right now, all of whom have who have a career uh, passer rating of better than 150. Uh That's Jake Browning um trace mcsorley and brett and brett ripon uh have past pass career passer ratings better than 150 um if they all do uh you know pretty well for the end of the season they can join an elite list of 21 players into their careers with a better than 160 mark in passer mm. rating. so uh gentlemen name the 21 passers in the history of college football to have a, an efficiency rating of 160 or better so I've got
2: a I've got a point of clarification. Yes. Is there any sort of minimum amount of starts, years, games, attempts,
0: anything uh, minimum with... 700 pass attempts?
2: Okay, so we're not going to have some random person who came in
0: and so so like uh, like Tua okay. Tagovailoa has a passer rating of like 240. Okay. He's thrown like 58 attempts in his career.
2: And then there's probably no Army quarterback who went two of two for six exactly. yards and two exactly. touchdowns. Exactly. All right. So that's good to know. That's good to know. All right. So quarterback rating. Uh, you yeah, know, we're this a, is about
0: efficiency, not just numbers. So I'll throw I'll to you uh, to begin with. Yeah. So, for example, someone like Graham Harrell, who threw for a ton of yards. Yeah. threw for a ton of yards, but not the most efficient guy. He does not appear on this list.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because the, the quarterback efficiency rating – all that number and stuff. It, I mean, for people that don't know at home, the way it's calculated is uh, you multiply yards by a certain figure. You multiply touchdowns by I believe three thirty. Uh, multiply completions, um, add those together, subtract interceptions multiplied by I want to say two hundred, and then all of that is then divided by the attempts. So
1: you and can you take the cosine of it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can be like being super accurate with one touchdown is going to end up being way higher than having like a 50% completion rate and putting up 500 yards. So with that in mind, Matt, Mm -hmm. one of the first names that came to my mind is uh, someone who had very, very few interceptions. I I think he had about five interceptions each season, which is absurdly low. And so I cannot believe this is the first name I'm going with, but, when you said passer rating, Timothy Tebow popped into my mind.
0: Tim Tebow, number four all-time, 170.8. Well done.
1: Wow. All right. Um, well, uh, Matt, he's certainly not your favorite guy. Um, <laughs> Jake Allen. But uh, No, even worse than that. Uh, but uh, he just recently won a Heisman. Um, He's probably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play at OU. So that is one Baker Mayfield.
0: Baker Mayfield, number two all time, 175.4. Nice. Um,
2: I mentioned that accuracy really, really helps because you don't want that figure to be divided by a huge high number. So a quarterback that was extremely talented, extremely gifted, extremely accurate – and then got the privilege of playing with an amazing running game, so they weren't asking him to pass it 45 times a game. Uh, That means that I'm going to
0: go out west with Andrew Luck. I think he's on this list. Good choice. Andrew Luck, number 13, 162.8. Nice.
1: I'm going to go off the wall here. Uh, I like that. I'm going to go a couple decades ago. Mm. Um, He he was uh, the pride of the Pittsburgh Panthers. I'm going to go with one. Uh, laces out, Dan. Dan Marino. Uh,
0: sorry, Dan Marino actually uh, does not appear in the top two hundred and fifty of all time. He's, Whoa. Got a,
1: he's got a gold jacket that he didn't buy.
0: <laughs> I thought yeah, that, was but, that good but that's that, that's pro baby. That ain't college. I, know. I I like the guess
2: though, Coach. Whenever we get these nineteen uh, eighties Pittsburgh football, a wealth nineteen eighties and seventies. Pittsburgh football, wealth of, of information. Uh, so Tebow and Luck were the first two that really popped into my mind, and um, Baker was kind of floating on my list. Coach already got that one. So I'm going to join Coach and go off the wall, Matt. Mm. And I'm going to go off the wall with someone that, um, let's just say he's got a certain skill set that might put you in a certain
0: skills competition. I'm going to oh. go with our, our favorite player, Matt, Byron mm-hmm. Leftwich. Uh, Byron Lefkowitz, Josh, that's a good guess. Not didn't quite make it, though. 150.9 career. Oh, that's still a pretty good rate, eh? Yeah, for his career, he's sandwiched right between Chad Kelly and Brett Hunley.
2: That's not bad company.
0: Yeah, and, uh... College quarterback. Uh, uh, he's two ahead of Chuck Long. Ooh. Well, now there's
2: a name that I don't need to guess. Thank you. I'll just cross that off my potential
0: list. Um, and I will, I, I will, I will say the, um the oldest of these players to play um, uh, debuted in the late eighties. No. So everyone, everyone on this list played late eighties through today.
2: Um, I don't know if you have this information on you, Matt, but when did this become a stat? 1956. Okay. Ooh, well that also helps. So now we don't need to worry about like going super old school. All right.
1: All right. So that's, that's a good hint. So my ne- the next guy that came to my mind um, was he's also an NFL legend and he is probably easily the greatest quarterback at his alma mater. I think uh, he stands at a extremely tall, five foot ten. That'd be Drew Brees.
0: Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Sorry, he's, he's a fish in the NFL, but not in college. Did not make the top two fifty. Hmm.
2: Ah. So uh coach got Baker, which was gonna which uh was one name that popped into my mind, but I think there's another OU quarterback that should be on this list. I uh, has not had the pro success of Drew Brees, but back in college, Sam
0: Bradford was one hell of a quarterback. Sam Bradford number one all time, one seventy five point six. That's a rating right there. Yeah, two tenths above Baker Mayfield. Oklahoma guys own numbers one and two. Dang!
1: All right, so if we're staying on the Heisman Trophy um, train, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off the wall again. Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going. I'm going for broke here. Um, I got two strikes. I'm, I'm swinging at everything. Um, I'm gonna go with Heisman Trophy winner from. The U, Gino Toretta. That uh, is not
0: where I was expecting. Yeah, that not, no. And, uh, no. He's got
1: all kind of passing right
0: <laughs> he, He's not in the top 250 either. Sorry, Ooh. Coach, you struck out. My, uh, my guess, Coach, Josh, is, is, you've won this round, so do you want to uh, – any more do you have off the top of your head?
2: Well, I was just going to say I think Coach's guesses were great. My sneaking suspicion is back in the 80s – it seemed like 50 to 55% was considered a really good percentage. Yeah. And nowadays, 65 is like what you kind of expect your quarterback mm-hmm. to be at. So I'm thinking those guys were just hurt maybe a little bit from their era. Uh, yeah. I had a couple other names that popped into my head. Hit it. Um, I'll just do this rapid fire. One was uh, Brad Banks. He was phenomenal for one season at Iowa. I thought maybe that would help him out. A guy that got to play with a great rushing attack down at
0: Alabama, A.J. McCarron.
1: A.J. McCarron's on the list. I had. What
2: about
1: Kellen Moore?
0: um, Oh, I love that one. Kellen Moore, number five all time, 179. Ooh, nice.
2: And, Coach, when you were starting to say Heisman, uh, I thought you were going to go out west to
0: Marcus Mariota. That's where I thought he was going to go, too. He's number three all time, 171.8.
1: Oh, nice. he was on my list.
0: All right. Um, uh, Where was Brad
1: Banks, just like of curiosity. Uh, Brad Banks the in
0: the top 250. I don't know if he had 700 career passing attempts.
1: What about, Ooh, the, yeah, the, what about the pair of Seminoles, uh, Seminole Heisman winners, Charlie Ward and Wink Chris Winkie?
0: Um, no, neither of those guys are, but James Winston is. I stayed
1: away, I stayed away from uh, – because
2: I thought they might have had too many passing attempts. Did any of – Old Steve Spurrier's fun and gun guys make
0: the list? Danny Werfel. Uh Danny That's Warf- it? Yep. Uh yeah. Danny yeah. Werfel is the only of the old uh fun and gun guys. All right, here, here are the guys you missed. Um, you Jesse
2: Palmer didn't make it? <laughs> no. Uh
0: <laughs> you, you, you hit on one of the uh on one good Boise State quarterback in Kellen Moore. Uh you you guys missed on Ryan Dinwiddie from the early two thousands. He's number six all time, followed by Colt Brennan. Oh Rice mm. Petty. Johnny Mm -hmm. Football. Um, Then a couple of these you guys missed: Logan Woodside, Ty Detmer. uh, Oh,
2: coach, we forgot. 1980s BYU also put up insane numbers. Yeah, Um, 70s Pitt and 80s BYU. mm -hmm. Always remember that for the trivia. Omar
1: Marino and Drew Brees. I felt like those were good guesses. They were great guesses. Omar
0: Jacobs. uh, I don't remember him. Mid 2000s from Bowling Green. Did Wisconsin play? Yes, we did. It was back in. Uh, they played it in neutral site in Columbus in uh, or uh, Cleveland, right? Uh, n- no, they played them at home. I thought. Oh. Uh, but it was it was Omar Jacob's senior year. Um, okay. I do remember that. Uh, David Fails from San Jose State. Nice. Uh, Brandon Doty from Western Kentucky. He always ha- comes up in these passing lists. <laughs> um, Case Keenum. Uh, Ooh, Matt nice. Johnson from Bowling Green. I don't know if you remember him, 2012. Oh, those, those Dino Baber teams. Right? And the most shocking name on this list. Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> Josh, you know where, do you know where Sark played? Um
2: trying to think of the campus with the
0: most alcohol right now. So you would want to go to the exact opposite end of that spectrum. <laughs> He played BYU? at BYU.
2: <laughs> That's
0: amazing.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is
0: amazing. Yeah. So, all right, let's hit some deep roots. Let's do it. All that right. was a great trivia question, Matt. All right, glad you guys liked that one. All right, so uh, we will start uh, down in the state of Alabama. LSU and Auburn will duke it out in Jordan Air on Saturday afternoon. Both these teams had impressive victories over top ten opponents in week one. Uh, But this is going to be a big one in terms of SEC West standings. Coach, both of these teams have excellent defenses. So my question to you is which of these two offenses is more likely to have sustained success?
1: I mean, honestly, I think Auburn is in a better place offensively right now than LSU, even though I really love uh, Nick Brossett for LSU. I just think Auburn is just more explosive with Jared Stidham and – ryan davis and you know the 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 list of no-name backs that seem to always produce for them uh i just think malzahn is a better offensive mind um at this stage in the game and i think offensive coaching and game plan and uh jared stidham is going to be the difference in in this game offensively
0: all right uh josh um what are you going to be looking out for in this one
2: well, I mean, they're both 2-0, and but uh, it's not quite the equal 2-0 and because Miami, we really don't know how they're going to shape out to be. But Washington, we're pretty confident, is going to be rolling by the end of the year. So then I noticed something from their Week 2 games. They both beat up on some FCS teams, but LSU, they did not really impress me that much. I was looking at some of their numbers, uh, just 10-20 passing. They uh, They actually gave up a few passing yards, 189 to Southeast Louisiana. I'm with coach. I think Auburn's the better offensive team and they're the home team. It would not surprise me that much to see this one get away from the Tigers a little bit like that Mississippi state game did a year ago. I think
0: Auburn's going to roll, but don't forget Auburn lost to LSU last year in down in Baton Rouge. Yeah, but that's in Baton Rouge. That's in depth. I mean, Andrew yeah, it was there. If this were a neutral site or in Baton Rouge, I would be more inclined to take LSU, but I think that Auburn at home with the better quarterback and the better offense uh, has got to be the favorite in this one. Um, moving on, moving on uh, big game in Stillwater this weekend. The Pokes host Brett Ripon and Boise State. Coach, uh, what does the mullet need to do in order to slow down the Broncos who put up 118 points in two games?
1: Oof, um. I don't know. <laughs> just outscore them, hold the ball longer. I it, I don't I don't I think this is going to be like a 6-hour game just because there's there's going they're going to set all kinds of scoring records here. I think they're I think it's going to be the first one to first one to 64 is going to win this game. Uh to be honest with you, just uh you know, don't get hurt, I guess. Don't turn the ball over. I don't know. I mean, d- defenses are optional uh with with these two teams uh because both teams like to score and i'm not sure that either team likes to stop one another so um if you like offensive football tune into this game for sure
0: yeah uh josh this is definitely going to be a lot of points here this weekend so uh do do you think that i mean at least on the surface it seems to me that boise state at least has the better defense on paper going in
2: Yeah, and I mean, uh, Oklahoma State's their their defensive numbers right now. You can kind of throw out the window. They've played Missouri State and South Alabama. So this is a team that we just really don't know what they'll be like defensively. But I think the difference maker really, and this is going to be me stealing the line from coach, is just it's Boise doing what they've been doing. Uh, Brett Ripon has been tearing it up 13th in the country right now in passing. They're averaging 59 points, but... What's so impressive about this Boise team is the balance. They're averaging 255 rushing yards per game. That's also top 30 in the country. So if Boise can be that balanced, we previewed Oklahoma State pretty well. They lost so much on both sides of the ball. It's going to be tougher, a little bit of a new-look defense to handle a team with this diverse of
0: an attack. Yeah, I think that balance is really key because, because of that balance, I imagine that Boise State will end up holding the ball longer and that young Oklahoma State defense will have to be out on the field more and more. And I think that's going to be the big the big key in the game. And obviously turnovers will be huge here as well. Brett Rippon, uh, very efficient, doesn't really turn the ball over very much. And Oklahoma State can get a turnover happy at times.
2: Another kind of deceptive thing, and, and maybe Coach can also speak to this, but – I kind of like when teams have already had a road trip, even if it's an easy opponent, to just have a road trip, be used to a long flight, hotel, a little bit different routine. Well, Boise was on the road last week at Troy, so having another long trip down to Oklahoma I don't think is going to phase them. I think they'll be locked in
0: business as usual.
1: I mean, I I think Boise is one of those type of programs. They're not too phased with being on the road. Um, I mean – Yeah, it's
0: not really easy to get anywhere from Boise.
1: No. So they're, they're used to it regardless. Uh, and a lot of these upperclassmen are, are used to it, uh, no doubt. But uh, I mean, you know, the, the thing about Oklahoma State Stadium, uh, Boone Pickens Stadium, is that the fans are right there on top of you. And it's loud. It's a it's, you know, it doesn't look all that intimidating. But once you re- like if you ever get down inside that stadium, it. I mean, it's, it's, if you feel trapped and that noise gets down there and swirls around. So, uh, they will definitely have to work on their silent communication, uh, this week, uh, for sure. But, I mean, as far as like logistics and traveling, I, I don't think that'll be an issue. I, you know, that's, I, I, I like, I actually like Boise State in this game. I mean, they, they are rolling and they are on fire. And, and you know, once they get on fire, you know,
0: try to slow them down. Yeah. Yeah. Well let's uh let's just take a a short drive down uh Interstate thirty five to Jerry World, um, which is home to a big non conference matchup between the Ohio State University and TCU on Saturday night in prime time. Ohio State's offense does not seem to have missed a beat without Urban on the sidelines. Josh, any chance that uh or you know, what's the chance that Gary Patterson and the, the Horn Frogs can slow down Dwayne Haskins and company?
2: Well, Gary Patterson's been coaching really, really elite defenses for quite a long time. It's, it's interesting when you look at how his program found success back in the and mountain West, it was all defense, defense, defense. I think at the big 12, and they're like, Oh wait, we might need to score a few points in this league. No one plays defense. Yeah. Um, so he knows defensive football. Um, to me, this one's kind of interesting. It's, Ohio State's probably the more talented team. I think even uh, TCU fans would probably concede that point. But TCU might be the better prepared team because uh, Dwayne Haskins really hasn't faced any pressure. Uh, Oregon State, Rutgers, two of the worst Power 5 teams in the country. TCU, on the other hand, uh, they're, last week they're playing their little brother. Uh, SMU always wants to beat them. They had to deal with crazy weather. The rain was terrible. There was a delay. Uh, It was a very strange game. And despite kind of an uneven start, TCU got it rolling and eventually blew out the ponies. So TCU's already kind of faced a little bit of adversity. If the Horn Frogs can uh, kind of weather the initial amped-upness for the Buckeyes playing down in that pro stadium, they can kind of survive those first few drives kind of turn the game into a muck fest, kind of a, a grinder. We don't know how Ohio State's going to respond to that adversity. That's probably the horn Frog's best chances to make this kind of an ugly game.
0: Yeah, Coach, this is a basically a de facto home game for TCU. Uh, do you think the crowd's going to uh, be a factor in this one, or do you think there'll be enough Ohio State fans there that balances it out?
1: I think it'll balance out, honestly, because Ohio State travels really well. There's a lot of Buckeye fans everywhere. It's like one of those – they're like the Cubs, they're like the Red Sox, you know. There's people that you're just like, you re- really, you like the Buckeyes, really? Like what? <laughs> what, what connection do you have to the Buckeyes? You know, they have a lot of those type of fans, and I know I get it, a lot of schools have those type of fans. Um Alabama's probably um, the the most number one
0: for that. Yeah, they're
1: probably number one for that, but I think Ohio State's probably. Uh, not too far away at number two,
0: and I think USC is the other team up there that you could throw up there with just like random
1: fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so so Iowa is probably like, in
2: the top uh, five. So. <laughs>
1: well, you and, know, uh, you know, Georgia Southern is is a is a quick number six.
0: But, I was going to say MTSU is up there too.
1: Oh yeah, totally. There's a ton of sidewalk MTSU fans. They're all over the place. I can't I can't handle it. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it's it's it, you know, the crowd's not going to play a factor. It's going to be a true neutral site crowd. Uh, you know, there's Ohio State travels well, but yeah, I mean, for TCU, they just got to turn it into an ugly game. They've got to turn it into a slugfest and they've really just got to come and punch Ohio state in the mouth. Cause I don't know that they, you know, Ohio state's played, played really well. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they were overly challenged. I, I wouldn't say Oregon state was, was much of a, much of a test. This will be by far the best and most physical team uh, they've played up until now. And, and so we'll see just what Ohio state is actually made of and what they can do without urban Meyer standing there.
0: All right. Um, well, uh, I just mentioned uh, sidewalk fans for USC. Uh, they have to head to Austin this weekend to take on a Longhorn squad that has looked anything but impressive so far this season uh, coach. Do you expect JT Daniels to look better this week after uh, a, a pretty bad showing uh, in his first road game at Stanford last weekend?
1: Yeah, I think he's got a lot of the uh, the road nerves out of his system. Um, he's going against, uh, I think Stanford's probably one of the best defenses he'll face all year. Um, probably pretty easily, I could say that that might be the best defense he faces all year. Um, I certainly don't believe that Texas will give him any sort of problems. I think he'll kind of get back in his groove, and he might even show out a little bit uh, in this game. I i'm not a i am not i am not bought into what Texas is doing overall, but I think j t Brown is going to show the nation uh just that fact
0: all right uh yeah Josh I know you have been uh very underwhelmed by uh tom herman's time uh, yeah. as a head coach both at uh less so at Houston but definitely at texas yeah uh, would this would this be a marquee win for them or is this USC team still like, you know, not like a true, you know, true, like real, you know, top, you know, top school to hang their hat on.
2: Uh, Other than being ranked, I'm not sure you could call it a marquee win if Texas were to pull it out, but I want to turn around and pose a question to you guys. Um, If you were to have the ball for nine more minutes, win the turnover margin, uh, have – 125 more yards of offense, hold your opponent to 3 of 14 on third down, and have seven more first downs than the team. Um, By how much do you think you'd win that game?
0: Three scores at least.
1: Coach? I agree agree with Matt. I would expect to be worst-case scenario three scores.
2: Yeah, well, that's what Texas did to Tulsa a week ago, and they found a way to win that game 28 to 21.
0: Yeah, that's concerning. So... I'm
2: not sure what Texas does well at this point, to be quite honest with you. Uh, USC, they just need to find a way to run the ball better. I think that was part of the problem up in the farm is uh, is their talented running back duo of Ware and Carr. They got the touches. They got 28 touches between the two of them. They just didn't produce a whole lot of yards think if those running lanes can open up a little bit better, which should happen against a Texas team that I don't think is gonna be as strong defensively, uh, through the mid center, midpoint of that D line, or the excuse me, the defensive seven. Um I, I think USC will be a little bit more balanced to answer the question you posed to to coach Matt, I think JT Daniels plays better. I think just this whole offensive system looks better against a team like Texas. Like I said, I, I I'm struggling to find what the Longhorns do well. USC,
0: I know, has the talent. They just kind of got to put it together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to stick in the Pac-12. Finally, uh, this one's a little Pac-12 after dark. Uh, It's the marquee matchup in the Pac-12 this weekend. It's a good one. Number 10, Washington heads down to Rice-Eccles Stadium for what is surely going to be a slugfest between two of the best defenses in the conference. Uh, I think one I, uh, of you guys just said Stanford's the best defense in the conference. I personally think that both Washington and Utah could give them a run for their money on defense. But Josh, uh, what does Utah need to do in order to pull off the upset at home? Well, they got to do a couple things. The first
2: is they got to find some more points. They only had 17 when they traveled here to DeKalb. They won that game 17 to six. I know Northern is going to be a force in the Mac. They always are, but That was a pretty lackluster performance. In fact, that ended up being less lackluster. That feels weird to say. But Utah looked even worse against Northern Illinois than Iowa did, and that's saying something. Um, But defensively, they did make the day really long for Northern. They held them to six points. They got to match that defensive intensity, if not improve on it, because we know Washington has quite the – quite the threat. Uh, I would say for Utah, they need to find a way to replicate what Auburn did. Auburn did a really, really nice job of bending but not breaking. They made Washington's day a living nightmare in the red zone. I think Whittingham and that staff need to say, hey, you know what? Let's cut our losses. Let's let them have some yards between the 20s, but let's buckle down, use the small field to our advantage, maybe for some turnovers. We saw Browning fumble the ball. In the red zone against Auburn, I think that's Utah's best chance is to capitalize on what Auburn did down inside the twenty. Coach,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly with with Josh. I, I think it's you know for Utah, they you know they've got to find more points. I mean, it's they, simple as that. They they've just got to get in a rhythm. They've got to just do what they do and and uh, you know play play well on special teams and. Uh, contain Miles Gaskin and Jake Browning. I, I think uh, you know Miles Gaskin is easily the top running back. in – I don't know, no, he's not top running back in this league. I lied. I I, I was trying to give him some credit. You saw what I was doing, but um, he he's a game breaker for sure. And and if they if they prevent him from gaining, now if if he rushes for 130 yards they need to make him earn every single one of those yards.
0: Yeah, they got to make sure that's on, like, 35 carries.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got to make sure that it is, you know, if if Washington's going to score, which they are, they need to score on 15, 16-play drives uh, for Utah to have a chance. Because if Utah can slow the game down, uh, that plays into their defense – that plays into their defensive, you know – Knock down, drag out, lull you to sleep, and you know, squeak a victory out. Game plan, and that's kind of what they do best. And uh, they're not as high flying as other teams in the league, so they have to slow down the tempo to the to a grind, and it, it will allow them to maybe try to get in the rhythm if they can get the ball uh, in their hands, if they can if they can make time of possession and field position in their favor. That gives them the advantage. But if, if Washington comes out and has chunk play here, chunk play there, uh, Miles Gaskin rips off 12 yards on this carry and then they throw a deep ball into the end zone, four play drive, Washington's going to get all the momentum and this could be a runaway for them. So they've, they've just got to eliminate the big play, uh, defensively. Uh, they've got to take their chances and take advantage of their trips into the red zone because Washington is very stingy themselves. They're top 10 for a reason. Um, Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss uh, have got to have big games um, this week, and they've got to really kind of show out and break out and say, hey, we're here. So um, that's what they've got to do.
0: Yeah, uh two things I'd be worried about if I was Washington. First, uh Trey Adams, uh, their all-American left tackle, uh does not look like he's going to play again this weekend. That could be a problem, especially considering the fact that there is going to be some serious crowd noise. Rice Eccles gets super loud. It's going to be even louder than usual. It's a night game uh out there uh in Salt Lake, and I think that could that, that could pose real big problems for uh for the offensive line, especially communication-wise. Uh, when it's just, it's so loud, you can't even hear yourself think you're without your, uh, you know, without your anchor there at left tackle. I, I could see Utah, you know, really, uh, really giving Washington a tough game. Uh, you know, I picked, I picked the Utes to win the Pac-12 South. and I'm not going to back down from that now. And I'm actually going to pick Utah to win this game, uh, in a bit of an upset. But uh, let's head now finally to some spread formations uh, coming into the week. Uh, I'm at four and six. You guys are both at two and eight. Uh, like I said, on uh Tuesday show and not exactly our best start to the season, but only only way to go from here is up. So we
1: Aunt, Aunt Sally, um, You should listen to Matt this year, not me.
0: (laughs) Uh, We're going to start at West Point where Army hosts uh, what has been one of, if not the best story of the season in Nick Rolovich's Hawaii squad. Josh, Black Knights are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Who you got?
2: So I'll tell you what is concerning about this game is I know they didn't leave the night before the game. I know they're going to have some travel days, some recovery days, but Hawaii's flying cross-country. And then it's an 11 o'clock central time. So that's the noon start time
0: mm-hmm.
2: out in West Point. So there might be some sleepy Ramble uh, it's Warriors. A, it's a, it's
0: a, it's a, it's a six-hour time difference. So their body clock, so it'll be 6 a.m. for them when they yeah that at noon local so, time. There so
2: that is, that is of high, high concern. But they played at Massachusetts a year ago. They are used to longer flights than pretty much every college football team other than maybe when Idaho was in the Sun Belt. So I'm just going to have to look at the product on the field. And the fact is Hawaii is 3-0. They look incredible on offense. And Army got manhandled by a Duke team that we weren't all that high on. And then Army, yeah, they blew out Liberty, but Liberty had a ton of yards offensively a really good day passing, they just kept coughing the ball up. They had two fumbles and three giveaways. Overall, Army was clean in that stat sheet. If Hawaii controls the ball and puts up the
0: offense that Liberty showed you can against Army. All right, Coach, Uh, Josh likes the rainbows. Who have you got here?
1: Well, um, you know, I'm going to go back to a game we just previewed, Washington at Utah. Now, there's there's two types of matchups uh when, when you're when you're previewing and, and you're doing a uh stellar show like we are doing, um you have individual matchups with two teams that share similar philosophies. So you look at quarterback matchups, you look at receiver D B matchups, you look at Battle of the trenches type deal. And then there is a uh battle of contrasting philosophies. With Utah it's defense, pound you in the mouth, uh you know we can we can throw it if we want to, but we would rather ram it down the throat. And Washington is, uh, well, they're number ten in the country, but they would prefer uh, Chris Peterson would prefer if he's launching it all around the yard. And but he's going to win however however he can win. But the overall philosophy is run by you and uh, play somewhat stingy defense. So uh, with this, so long story short, uh, it's a battle of philosophies here. Hawaii is. Extremely up tempo. They they want to just run past you, run past you, run past you, run past you, and exhaust you to death. Army wants to grind you and beat you into a pulp. Um, if Army is allowed to do that, Army will will run a, will grind this thing into a halt and they will cover. So it's either going to be Army winning by ten points, or it's going to be Hawaii winning by three touchdowns. Um, and I'm going to take I'm going to take the Rainbow Warriors here. They are just they're red hot. And I think this cross-country travel is going to be extremely irrelevant.
0: All right. Well, uh, you know, I – it, 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 were it not for the six-hour time difference, I would I, I would take Miami, uh, Hawaii in a heartbeat. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Black Knights here, guys. Uh, I, I think that 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 six-hour time difference, the six a.m. body clock, is just going to be a little bit too much to overcome. I see Army just holding on to the ball. Uh, Hawaii's put up a lot of points, but they've given up you know a fair bit of yards too. So I think that Army can hold the ball enough to uh, to take this one. All right, we'll stay within the great state of New York, heading to the Carrier Dome, where the Orange host the Knolls, who are coming off of an ugly game against Sanford last week. Florida State still somehow three-point favorites on the road here. Josh, who you got?
2: So it'd be really, really easy to overreact to Florida State and say, hey, they got blown out out by Virginia Tech, struggle with Sanford. Of course they are dog crap. Of course they're going to lose this game. And – there's something that supports this argument, and that is last year's result. Syracuse almost beat them in Tallahassee a year ago. Twenty, They lost 27-24. Eric Dungy went off. He had a great day passing, over 100 rushing yards. So not only is Florida State trending bad, but Syracuse almost knocked them off a year ago. And Florida State, as far as I can tell, has changed literally nothing about their team, including – keeping a really bad offensive line. Give me the home dogs. Coach.
1: Ooh, home dogs. Uh is that is that new on the menu? Home dogs, what comes on a home? Dog? <laughs> uh
2: some Syracuse Orange baby.
1: Yeah. Um you know what? Josh, I was gonna pick Florida State because I was like, you know what? Florida State's gonna win, but they're gonna like barely cover And it's going to be some sloppy thing because Syracuse is not exactly lighting the world on fire themselves. But um, I think you just talked me into taking the, uh, the kings of the Carrier Dome. So I'm taking Syracuse.
0: All right. Um, I am clearly taking Syracuse in this spot. Uh, I think think Syracuse needs to go to a a bowl game this year for Dino Babers to really get this program moving in the right right direction. They have to win games like this in order to get there. I say they do it. Uh, Give me Eric Dungy and the Orange. All right, next, uh, we will head a couple hundred miles west on Interstate 90 to South Bend, Indiana, where the Golden Domers are playing host to Vanderbilt. Uh, both teams 2-0 and on the season, uh, but the Irish, two touchdown favorites here at home. Josh, are they going to cover that spread?
2: Ooh, so Notre Dame, a little bit of an unknown quantity right now because they looked good for a half against Michigan and then really packed it in that second half. And then against Ball State, just maybe they were disinterested. Maybe Ball State, being from the state of Indiana, thought this was a rivalry game and, and were playing you know, out of their minds. I'm not sure what it is, but I do know uh, Notre Dame had three interceptions in that game. I know that Notre Dame was terrible on third down. I know they did not get very many first downs in that game, and I know they rushed the ball really, really ineffectively, averaging 2.9 yards per carry against a team that we universally picked to finish last in the MAC. Vanderbilt knows defense. Uh, They're 51st right now in passing defense. not amazing, but they do have three interceptions on the young year already and nine sacks in two games. I'm not entirely sure that Brandon Woodenbush has turned the corner yet, and you're telling me I'm getting how many points if I get to pick Vanderbilt? Two two full touchdowns. So I'm taking Vanderbilt. All right. Coach?
1: Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't know jack Didley do about Notre Dame. I still don't know really what they bring to the table. And uh, I say that I know I previewed
0: mine. I, I mean, Coach, I, I still don't think that Notre Dame knows what they bring to the table at this point. No,
1: they they really don't. They don't have an identity yet. They don't, you know, they don't fully know what they're good at, what they're bad at. What they, you know, but you know, I, I think they still come away with a win. I just don't think it's by two touchdowns. I think I think Vandy's going to hang in there strong. I really like. Uh, Kyle Shermer, I really like uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. I really like kind of what they've got defensively. And and I, I think that Derek Mason did a good thing by relinquishing the defense to somebody he trusts. And I think they're better for it. And I think they'll go up there and compete. And, uh, and I'm not going to say they're going to win, but they're going to give themselves every opportunity to win against uh, a Notre Dame team that's still – trying to find themselves. And the only thing we truly know about Notre Dame is that their head coach is going to turn the same color as my Georgia pullover. Uh,
0: Yeah, give me all 14 of those points, baby. Uh, I don't think Vandy necessarily is going to win. But I definitely think that they can cover this one. All okay, right.
2: I'm getting really upset that I'm taking all these random teams. i have taken Syracuse. i have taken Vanderbilt. I'm trying to get back into the standings, and y'all are taking my picks. It's
1: you're, really so, you're so convincing, Matt. Just ask <laughs> me first, and I'll give
0: you <laughs> Well, from Indiana, let's move west to Champaign, Illinois, uh, and the Fighting Illini under Lovey Smith has started out the season two and O, but have their toughest test of the young season when South Florida comes to town. Bulls' 10-point favorites on the road here. Josh, uh, can Lovey and the boys take down Charlie Strong in South Florida?
1: No, Bulls on parade. There you go, Josh. I did not steal your answer.
0: Oh, right. (laughs) Coach has got South Florida.
2: Well, I'm going to then be stealing Coach's answer in this one.
1: (laughs) Why why are you stealing my answer?
2: Uh, Well, I'm stealing for a couple reasons. The first is uh, Blake Barnett. You know, this is a kid who – all he's ever wanted to do was be a pro quarterback. Uh, just did not work out at Alabama, didn't work out at Arizona State. I know people, you know, claimed he was a sore loser, blah, blah, blah. But um, seems like he's had a pretty good head on his shoulders uh, throughout all of it. Um, he's doing really well at South Florida now. Illinois just, like... Oh, my God, you want to hear some crazy stats. So, like, A.J. Bush, their starting quarterback, uh, was 5 of 7 against Western Illinois. He got banged up, um, missed part of the game. M.J. Rivers, the second, played well. Uh, looks like they're going back to to Bush. On the year, he has yet to throw an interception. That's awesome. He's also yet to throw a touchdown.
0: Not as awesome. And
2: uh, the, the problem also is, you know, Sure, some Illinois fans out there, some of our listeners are thinking, "Well, why don't they just pull the kid and and go with their backup?" Well, the, their backup Cam Thomas is dealing with some personal reasons. He left the team to focus on himself and do some self care. So they have a pretty ineffective starting quarterback, and then no one else on the roster that's a scholarship quarterback. So Illinois is a mess right now offensively. They're not going to put up very many points. South Florida knows what they're doing,
0: and. It's going to be bulls by a lot. I'm surprised that it's only a 10-point spread, quite honestly. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I'm also taking South Florida in this one. All right, finally, gentlemen, we have a true battle of Power 5 heavyweights. That's right. Rutgers gets to head to our favorite track to take on Kansas. Both of these teams come in at 1-1. One and one. Uh, Kansas, one-and-a-half point favorites at home. Josh, it's hard to overstate how massive this game is. Who's coming out on top? Uh, Well, Rutgers
2: looked every bit as awful as I thought they would. I have them going 0-9 in the conference for the second time in three years. I don't care what their athletic director is saying. If you go 0-9 in two of the last three seasons, I would personally be firing Chris Ash. I think they have the worst offense in the league, and I just got done yelling about Illinois Uh, in that Ohio State game they could do nothing. They pass for 65 yards and two interceptions while going 11 of 30. They can't rush the ball. Uh, They can't do anything on offense. And it's really tough to be competitive in games when you have a dreadful offense, possibly one of the worst offenses in the country. And so Kansas at least – can put up 31 points against a mac team. I'm not sure Rutgers could put up 31 points against a mac team considering they struggled to get to 35 against Texas State, the worst team in the Sun Belt. So because Rutgers has the inability to do anything offensively, I find myself taking the Kansas Jayhawks.
0: Rock Chalk Baby Coach.
1: Well, um if Jim Mora, Jim Mora Sr., was Rutgers' head coach, here's what he would say. He would say, quote, we didn't do diddly-poo. We couldn't move the ball. We couldn't catch the ball. We couldn't make first downs. We just sucked.
0: Ask me, ask me if we're going to the playoffs. you going to the playoffs, coach? P- playoffs?
1: You kidding me? Playoffs? <laughs> playoffs? You can't, we can't even win a game. I mean, come on, playoffs. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the Jayhawks here. They're red hot after their big win over central Michigan. After we doubted them, David, wait, wait,
0: wait, Hold on. You guys doubted them. I picked them last week. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You're right.
1: right. I I doubt it.
0: Yeah. We deserve that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Touche point taken. Yeah. But here's an interesting stat. Uh, David Beatty has more wins than urban Meyer at this point. Let that soak in
0: wow I, I think that is a great place to end uh to end that segment uh Any final words on the night, Josh?
2: Well, unfortunately, we just ran out of time to talk about a certain uh team that has a pig mascot. We buried the lead uh we look Ar- yeah, look arkansas is Please suck uh, yeah I mean arkansas is th- they're figuring out a few things defensively they're they're past defense right now they're hanging tough. Uh, they're only giving up uh, 309 yards per game. Uh, they're right there in the thick of things at 114th in the country in passing defense, but they get the perfect, perfect opponent this week to turn things around on that side of the ball, you guys. They are only taking on North Texas, the number one passing team in the country, averaging 457 yards per game, as Mason Fine basically slices and dices every team he's faced this could not be more of a favorable matchup
0: for those lovable losers from Fayetteville (laughs) coach any final words from you uh
1: well I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, a former colleague of mine uh and and a friend uh was actually inducted into the Georgia Southern Athletics Hall of Fame uh Mark Williams uh he was a three-time All-American guard um For Paul Johnson uh, in the late 90s, uh, won a national championship. He blocked for uh, some guy named Adrian Peterson, um, the other Adrian Peterson, not that one, but the other one uh, that went to Georgia Southern and that led uh, Division I AA at the time. uh, And he set all kind of records. And he might still lead uh, all of FCS in in, uh, rushing yards.
0: All right. Well, that is going to do it for us here uh, on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So uh, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten County, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City, this is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast.
1: Beware of the track.
0: Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform.